Hi, and welcome to Communicating Climate Change, a podcast dedicated to helping you do exactly that. I'm Dickon, and I'll be your host as we dig deep into the best practices and the worst offences, always looking for ways to help you and me improve our abilities to engage, empower, and ultimately activate audiences on climate-related issues. This episode features a conversation with Celine Novenario, Digital Content Manager at the Global Centre on Adaptation. It was recorded in February 2023. Celine is a multimedia storyteller and strategist who spent the last 15 years deploying communications outreach for international organisations and think tanks, ranging from the Carnegie Climate Governance Initiative to the World Meteorological Organisation, as well as the United Nations. During the latter half of that period, Celine's work has focused specifically on climate change communication, harnessing the latest digital trends and technologies to amplify related stories and content. Amongst other things, we discussed the unique ability of social media to drive engagement with new audiences and to provide voices to those who might otherwise be voiceless, as well as how we might better conduct ourselves as climate communicators in this often overwhelming information environment. So, let's get on with it. This is Communicating Climate Change with Celine Novenario. If it's cool with you, I'll just jump straight into questions. From your perspective, how can communication contribute to mitigating the worst effects of climate change in the first place? I'm glad you said from your perspective, because at first I was like, wow, that sounds like a really big question. I think there is like a huge role for communications to play. Um, you know, knowledge sharing and community building are some of like the most important contributions that communications can make, I think. Um, we need to take action on such uh, a large scale to address climate change. And I think, you know, when you look at it as an individual, it can be so daunting, right? Like, what can I do to help solve such a big, big issue? And the more common reaction then is to maybe fall into apathy and inaction because it all seems so insurmountable. Um, but the fact is that a lot of people are actually working on this issue in so many different levels. There are so many brilliant people who have devoted their lives to seeking out solutions uh, to the climate crisis. And when communications amplify the stories of those people um, and try to get those stories out to a larger audience, then it gives hope to people and it gives people in different parts of the world ideas on how they too can take action. And I think social media and other digital platforms also give a means for people to link up with like-minded individuals and also experts who can give them advice uh, to support them on this journey. So yeah, I mean, communications definitely helps us share and scale up on a global level all the different actions that are taking place on a local level. I used to live in Barcelona, actually, and my landlady worked with... Uh tribes who lived in remote parts of the Amazon and part of the organization and the work that she did was kind of equipping them with cameras and teaching them how to use YouTube because then they could document these struggles they were having against mining companies or logging companies and the moment it was on you know social media it was visible suddenly they had a voice in the international sphere I suppose that they didn't have before yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even just on a 
almost like banal story, but I just remember when people were so obsessed with, was it like finding Pokemons or something like that? And around that time, I was working at the World Meteorological Organization and hydrologists were talking, were telling me about citizen science. And I was really like, oh my God, I mean, now you can see how people are so interested in documenting the things around them or just pointing their cameras at things. If you could like properly harness that, you could get so much information on, you know, water levels in whatever lake that's nearby or a river that's nearby. Um, and people are happy to do it. You know, I mean, people love contributing to a larger cause. Um, we just have to kind of build the tools and get people excited to do it. Totally. Citizen science, that's a great topic for a future podcast. I don't even think about that. Wow. You know, I still have this thing whenever I see the first bumblebee of the year. Back in England, when you see the first bumblebee, you've got to go and report it because that's, you know, that's how they keep track of these things. So speaking of, of your work, um, I wondered if you could give a little insight into what you do now in your role at the Global Center on Adaptation because you touch on things from a slightly different perspective and angle than a lot of my other guests have. I mean, I'm in charge of digital content strategy for the Global Center on Adaptation. Um, I mean, that basically means highlighting our work as solutions broker on climate adaptation on our website and our social media channels and our newsletters. Um, I, I find that to be like a really, well, I mean, I almost feel bad saying it's a fun gig because the topic is a bit dire, right? But I mean, to be paid to uh, produce social media content is like a pretty fun thing to do. Um, and especially because the Global Center on Adaptation is very like solutions oriented. So um, yeah, I find that a really uplifting way to approach the topic. So, I mean, of course, you always start, you know, uh, when you produce a video for social media, then you start by showing, you know, why the situation is dire, like why climate adaptation is necessary. But there's always this turn that, you know, but, you know, all hope is not lost. Um, and the solutions exist, they're out there. And look at what amazing things these people are doing. And so it's been a really like fun learning experience to see all the interesting solutions that people are coming up with, how they're battling uh, climate change. I mean, I'm I'm from the Philippines, so I did grow up with you know floodwaters rising up around me. Um, so I do know what that's like. And actually, I live in the Netherlands, which is also like very <laughs> much below sea level, where the situation could be quite dire if they weren't so good at water adaptation. But it's just really great to see that, you know, the, the climate vulnerable people are also the ones who have a lot of solutions. So to be able to give voice to those people who are coming up with fascinating solutions like you know there are young entrepreneurs in Kenya who are uh, cultivating drought resistant seeds who are teaching other farmers how to do like vertical farming um, you know you don't have to take somebody from the global north and put them in the global south and teach people how to do things they are they're already doing it 
And so, yeah, I mean, that's such uh, uh, an inspiring thing to do on an almost daily basis. Amazing. I'm sure a lot of people working in different walks of climate change probably don't have such a, a positive spin on their daily output. Yeah, and I mean, I can't blame them, right? Like if you start looking at IPCC scenarios, you're really like, oh my God, I mean, this is the future that we're, or these are the futures <laughs> that possibly await us. Um, you can get so lost in that messaging and just feel hopeless. But yeah, I mean, that's where uh, communicators have a role, I think, to try to turn that around and give people hope. So the next question is also about social media. From a super operational viewpoint, what benefits or opportunities does social media bring to the table that other communications formats just don't? Um, I think, first of all, it's really just this access to a really wide audience. I mean, before social media, gosh, do we even remember what life was like before social media? I mean, I guess we just put things up on websites in the hope that somebody would eventually come there and read it, right? But I mean, on social media, the audience is right there. Um, and if you're, if you're clever enough, or if you can make content that's catchy enough, then you could potentially reach, you know, thousands, millions of people. And the thing that I found most fascinating, especially post-COVID, was how many of our most important decision makers in the world are actually on Twitter. And maybe they have somebody on their team trying to make everything fit into 120 characters. So they're not physically typing their messages, but they are reading it. They're reading their Twitter feeds and so on. And so just to have this one way of reaching such a wide amount of people um, and spreading your message, I really think that's still unique to, to social media. You just gave some examples of the stories that maybe you're, you're telling or, or getting inspiration from, but I wonder if you could give a couple more examples of where digital communications made a particularly notable impact, whether in your work or in work that you're aware of from elsewhere. I think the first example that really stands out in my mind is a tool uh, made by somebody else. So it's this fascinating simulator called En-ROADS. I don't know if you've heard of it. So En-ROADS was uh, developed by an organization called Climate Interactive. So it's this online simulator that basically has a bunch of levers that you can move. They're like policy levers. Like, okay, um, let's say you heavily tax coal. How far does that get you to reaching the 1.5 degree climate target? How about you plant trees to the absolute maximum? Somehow you found land 10 times the size of India. Apparently that's how much you need. <laughs> yeah, just playing with that tool makes you realize like how difficult a task it is and actually how difficult it is to also just say, you know, I'm not going to take this option. Um, I'm going to discount this option because it may be that we need all all the tools possible in our toolbox to reach the 1.5 degree Celsius target. So um, when I was at Carnegie Climate Governance Initiative, we worked with Climate Interactive to do some sessions with youth groups to also kind of get them thinking about you know what it takes 
to get to 1.5 degrees. And so that was like really interesting to see. And I've been told that they've demonstrated this with like 150 members of the uh, of the US Congress. And that made quite an impact. So I think that's really one tool that I find so impressive also because it's this amazing way of translating research into something palpable that really helps people like normal folks realize and understand the scale of this problem. The second tool, um, I find digital climate advisory services really fascinating. So um, at GCA, our food security program is focused on this and how they can work with farmers and pastoralists adapt to climate change. We recently made a video just highlighting a case study from our flagship report, The State and Trends in Adaptation. Um, and it's about this SMS service called MOA Info, which is developed by Precision Development together with the government of Kenya. So basically, farmers can sign up for SMS services that give them advice um, on, you know, what they should plant and when. I remember one of the stories was even somebody who had a, a farmer who had a problem with armyworms and it was giving him really specific um, information like you know walk this many rows and then start planting here I mean it's it's amazing right and it's also it's not even that you have to download a fancy app on a smartphone it's sms <laughs> these are really tools that could make such a huge impact and I'm excited to see how quickly they can get scaled up over the coming years because it really helps people on the front lines these are great examples and not at all where I thought you were going to go with that. Like an SMS, that's so, uh, I, I thought we were going to be talking, you know. TikTok video. <laughs> it's amazing. It's beautiful that something as, as simple and achievable as sending SMSs to people to give them information that changes everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it is fun to think about um, augmented reality. And I'm sure there's still probably uses for that. I really want, you know, people at COP to <laughs> have like a, an experience of what it's like to be in a house rapidly filling up with flood, you know, for example. Um, maybe that moves them to action. But in the end, like a lot of the people you really want to help, their internet connections are not fantastic or, you know, data is still very costly. And so it's still really important to consider these solutions that are like low bandwidth, but extremely useful. There's still this enormous gap between what climate scientists say has to be done in order to mitigate the worst effects of climate change and what society is actually doing the knowledge action gap or the intention action gap, um, however it's characterized. Can social media and digital communications help us bridge that gap? And if so, how? Yeah, I, I really think so. I mean, social media is so good at making people express their um, ideas succinctly. And maybe that's the problem, unfortunately, <laughs> um, with, uh, with research work, right? I mean, I don't know how many people there are in the world who have the stamina and capacity to dig through like an, uh, an international panel on climate change assessment report. I'm, I'm unfortunately not one of them. <laughs> um, and if you think about it, an IPCC report 
I'm going to put it quite crudely, that's already a literature review, right, of the best research that out there. So that's already like all the research in condensed form. And it's still, when you see it, it's hard to absorb, right? So you really need um, communications experts to come in and help repackage that information into smaller, more digestible bits. Like infographics are always helpful, right? Like just when people can see what you mean, then it's easier to absorb the information. Like when I was at uh, the WMO, I introduced the use of infographics just to communicate like the key points from the state of the climate report. And it made such a difference. Not a lot of people just feel like digging into a report, but if you show them a picture with the highlights, they're like, oh, that's important. Okay, and it's somehow easier to, to process and to digest. So that's really where uh, social media and digital communications can help. If you really want people to take action, then you have to reach their heads and their hearts and their hands. So um, what that basically means is that I feel like research can stop at the head part. You just kind of give people all of these statistics and numbers and tell them why they have to act. But that doesn't necessarily move people to action. But if you show the stories of the people who are affected, then you can reach people's hearts. And on the most maybe basic level, social media has built in uh, calls to action. So that always gives you your, your hands something to do, um, whatever your level of motivation. Um, then you can share the stories that you found compelling and you can maybe move a few people to act. I love that Heads, Hearts, Hands method or model. I don't know, I, I, whatever it is, it's a really great thing to have in the back of your mind. What is this appealing to? It's really just a great shorthand to kind of remind yourself, okay, you've told people this, so what? You know, uh, what do you want them to do? Uh, it's kind of like you've missed an opportunity if you've moved someone or you've gotten them to think, but then you didn't give them anything to do afterwards, right? Like, so yeah, it's definitely a good shorthand to remember. Okay, so then there are a couple of quick fire questions, I suppose, as we head towards the end here. The first one is, in your opinion, what's the single most important aspect of communication that we communicators should be paying attention to in our communications endeavors? Um, I think, or my personal feeling is that we really need to pay attention that we are not um, communicating just for shock value or for likes, um, and that we need to be conscious of the effect on motivation and mental health that your messages are, uh, well, giving to people. Because I think there are some influencers who kind of just like to tweet as i said for shock value and it gives this impression of you know we're all doomed it's all too late we've missed some deadline and this is the end of civilization as we know it and that just puts people in a really apathetic uh position that they don't really want to take action or worse still and i mean uh I, I learned this from speaking with like a lot of uh, young climate activists. They're, they're genuinely depressed about, you know, the, about their futures. There are, there are young people who think 
you know, I don't think I'm going to have children. I don't want to bring children into this world. And I mean, gosh, how awful is that, right? That we've kind of robbed them of hope. It's important to not lose track of how your messages are affecting other people and just to make sure they're not like detracting from the larger cause, which is that you want to move people to act. I think it's also just really important to do what we can to, um, you know, to give voice to the people who are voiceless or to the ones who are really on the front lines. As I said, you know, um, if you're from the global north or you live in the global north, then you just have an outsized uh, platform to share your thoughts and your ideas and to attract media attention. And I think that, you know, if and when you can redirect that to somebody who maybe doesn't have that privilege and who actually probably has like a more uh, rich experience to share because they've actually lived through um, the worst impacts of climate change, then yeah, we should, you should do that. Okay, so the last one. Broaden our horizons, blow our minds, give us some hope. Who should we be following on social media for great climate content? Yeah, so I have like maybe three favorites I'll point out. Um, and maybe you already know them, but I'll point them out anyway. Um, so I think for climate scientists, I think Catherine Hayhoe is fantastic. I mean, I think she's what we should all aspire for <laughs> in terms of clearly communicating uh, complex concepts on climate change. Wow, alliteration. Yeah, I mean, she's fantastic. I, I learned so much just by reading her posts. Definitely recommend following her. She has a newsletter and she's amazing. Um, on TikTok, there's this uh, great account called Peak Action. Their bio says this is the opposite of doom scrolling. So they're, they do these like micro documentaries on climate solutions. So yeah, I mean, if you like TikTok, <laughs> uh, that's, I think, a good one to follow. Um, and this one is a kind of an oldie, but a goodie, but, and not necessarily only climate uh, focused, but I really like Kurzgesagt on YouTube. Uh, they make fantastic animated explainers about a lot of different uh, science topics, but I really, really like their uh, climate change content. And they have one video in particular that I find myself coming back to every now and then it says, you know, we will fix climate change. Anytime you're feeling hopeless about this crusade of ours, I think, you know, that's, that's, I find that one very uplifting. I mean, they spend maybe like the first few minutes still talking about, you know, the dire future that might await us if we don't act, but they also really uh, talk about all the good things that have happened in the last 10 years and why we're not locked into this fate if we just take action. This interview was a hoot. And I felt like there was so much to learn and to apply to my own work. But what stuck with you from this conversation? What can you take from it and apply to your own practice? For me, if I had to pick just one thing, it would be the head, heart and hands approach. I love it. This to me feels like the perfect guide for creating impactful messages, 
whether on social media or elsewhere. It speaks to the logical as well as the emotional and finally capitalizes on the opportunity to get audiences to actually do something. We need way more of that. So that's the main tidbit I'll be carrying away with me. But how about you? What will you be taking with you into your work? Thanks to Celine for sharing her time and knowledge with the show. It was great. You can find links to the Global Centre on Adaptations website, as well as a bunch of other resources and links that we talked about in the show notes. Thanks also to you for listening to Communicating Climate Change. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts, or by subscribing so you never miss out. Remember, each and every episode attempts to add to our toolkit to help us develop the skills and motivation that we'll need for this epic task. So be sure to stay tuned for more. For anything else, just head over to communicatingclimatechange.com. Until next time, take care. <laughs>